It's a bitch hunt. 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 Okay, I think we're probably close enough. Do you you guys want to report from me? I would love to. Where are you at, Ted? Are you at 33? Yes, on the dot. Oh my god. This is really That's terrific news. Uh, 42 now? I'm, I'm slightly behind you, Jacob, but it's fine. Okay. That's fine. All right. We'll cut uh, we'll we'll sync that up in the editing <laughs> yeah. studio. I mean, I like to make Luke seem like he's a little bit delayed. <laughs> That's my constant to state make, anyway. <laughs> to make his reaction times seem a little slower. Yeah. I might be a little delayed also despite being far ahead because I hit my head not once, not twice, but thrice today. Oh my god, Jacob, do tell. <laughs> Well, I, I had my bike stowed away in the basement, um, and as Luke, as all of you really know, as you've you've been down in the basement in this house, that stairwell is narrow, one, and two, there's the overhang that's like right at forehead level if you're not careful. Yeah. Uh, so on my way down to grab my bike, I bonked my head. Um, and cursed, and then I grabbed my bike and brought it up and was careful to duck down, but then stood up too fast after I had ducked down and hit oh. the back of my head. Oh. Yeah, you don't, we don't like to see and that. Cursed loudly for the second time, and then once I got my bike up, I realized that I had left my helmet in the basement, so I had to go back down oh. for the helmet, and on the you way down... You should have been wearing that the I, whole time. Yeah. <laughs> That really would have solved the problem. How ironic that your quest ahead. for the helmet resulted in more head trauma. Dude, you're telling me. You're telling me. Uh, I'm the biggest advocate for helmets there is. And really, I think everybody should wear a helmet at all times. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I definitely will every time I go up and down the stairs in this house from now on. Lesson learned. And head a little sore. Well, welcome to Pitch Hunt. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> and I want to point out that we've got a real treat today. It's not a 10, but we've got our Ted. Uh, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is like so weird for us, but you know. My internal clock is all messed up. Not only <laughs> is it, and we're going to date this podcast by saying this, the fallback day, but uh, it's not a 10. And yet here we are. Yeah, everything is just, everything's kooky right now. Pear-shaped. Ted, would you say that time is a flat circle? Well, it is if you look at things from a fourth-dimensional perspective. Oh! Ted, hitting us with Uh, the the high concepts. No, just, uh, Uh, just uh, following up on the true detective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, been yeah. actually a very, very long time since I've seen that. I, I, all I've been I thinking from of it is watching it again. It was so much fun. Yeah, I just remember he would just like slam back those Lone Star beers and Siggies and talk about how time was a flat circle, and that's basically all I remember from it. Ted, that should be your Halloween it's, costume next year. Ooh, yeah, way. that's a good idea. It's a good weight loss goal. Get to be like, like 
dangerously thin coke addict. Yeah. <laughs> you just need to have one Soylent per day between now and then. That's my goal, because yeah. I'm going to be Kira Knightley next year. <laughs> <laughs> if Christian Bale can do it, you can do it, Ted. That's a good point. You know, Christian Bale's uh, diet for i think it was the machinist when he got like freakishly skinny and angular yeah. was one apple one can of tuna and like a bunch of cigarettes yeah <laughs> and co- i think i think black coffee so it's a doable diet he's like the max <laughs> scherzer do of acting man he just like goes let, all let out. me be clear <laughs> i love that comparison <laughs> because i love max scherzer yeah, I did it for and you, also, Jacob. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was going to say that I love Christian Bale, but I don't think I do love Christian Bale. He seems like kind of a bit of a maybe an asshole. Yeah, it's maybe just because he yeah. cares too much. I mean, I it's think the same he's thing. Like a lovely man. Yeah. Based on what? Um, he um, he um, he to save um. Uh, the face of more important people, he allowed himself to be blamed for a series of uh, murders that were actually committed by the district attorney. So there you go. <laughs> Have you ever done something yeah. so noble? Uh, not recently. So I guess this is a fair point. If we all are holding ourselves to that example, holding ourselves up, and looking in the mirror against what Christian Bale has done, I guess it's true. Who are we to say that he is an asshole? And I love Christian Bale. He also I mean, um, <laughs> he also flew a bomb over the ocean. Um, yes. Have you done that? He is he is the Batman. The one, the once in future Batman. No, 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 no. He's not. No, he's not these, the Batman. I'm not talking about those movies. This is. These are just things that he did. <laughs> what about the so, like wait. marine wildlife though? Um, Do we know what went down there? Yeah, probably nothing good. I guess never meet <laughs> your heroes. That's a good point, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to circle back real quick. So. There are a couple different ways to take this revelation, Ted, that those are things that Christian Bale did. So are those things that he did off camera that inspired uh, the character Batman in the Christopher Nolan movies? Or did Christopher Nolan just happen to be um, filming Christian Bale while he was doing those things? And then they added in the bat suit in post. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Those were two options. (laughs) (laughs) I gave you two options there yep. from which to choose. Yep. Yeah, and, and he okay. gave you an answer. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Folks, it's Space Opera Week on Pitch Hunt. <laughs> yeah. And does anyone actually know what space opera means? That's my question. Uh, I have a theory. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of theories. My first theory is that is one that I already shared with Will and Luke, is, which is that it has two components, one of them being space and the other being opera. I'm not fully sold on that. My second theory is that uh, the name comes from soap opera mixed with outer space. Mm, yes, that is... Does anybody have any thought? That is yeah, thoughts about I mean, that? I think, 
I, I yeah, don't my ser- my serious answer is like, yeah, there's that ensemble cast. They've all got kind of drama going on. And yeah, I think the soap opera parallel is very apt. But also, most space operas that I've seen have also included bull's horns of some some sort. So like, huh. maybe the <laughs> opera thing is actually also a thing. Ted, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this well, because you're quick I, to dismiss. I, I don't think it's wrong. I just think that like what soap opera and space opera have in common is opera, which I, I mean literally. But like like that's what it's more about. I think is like 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 really really absurdly high emotion. Um, it's heightened, yeah. Yeah, with like like which is it's like Luke and his daddy having a sword fight is like yeah. Which is just, like, an insanely high emotional thing to be doing, and it's, like, rendered, like, deadly serious, basically, with, like, I mean, not like it's not self-aware, but the music or whatever and the tone of it is, like, basically pretty straight, you know? Yeah. Uh, like a soap opera. I, yes, I looked into but that a little bit. soap opera and... is, like, <laughs> the, these are both branches from opera. Like, you could say that they're in common, yeah. but the space opera didn't come from the soap opera. Well, yes. it, yeah, it, we're not saying that. The word literally did. I I learned. Yeah, I looked that's this what up. I, that's what I'm arguing. Um, that it in the 40s, some guy just... coined the term space opera as a derogatory term to kind of degrade science fiction that had come out and compare it to <sighs> soap operas for being like overly melodramatic. But I hate that. I I've think been it's evolved wrong. from there. It's become I like that. <laughs> I hate that I vouched for you, Ted. <laughs> I hate this. I mean, I, I on the other. <laughs> Star Wars is very melodramatic, though. So yeah. I think what you were Star saying, Trek Ted, makes, also. like fits with that. But then I think a lot of people would also argue that Dune, perhaps, is a space opera. And I think it's got much more realistic emotions inherent to that story, at least how the recent film was told. Can't speak for the books. So I don't know. It was definitely a space opera. I'd call yeah. it a space opera. I mean, there I, were bull's horns in it. Right. I, I think that... <laughs> what um, are some other examples, Will? What, what is the ur text for the bull's horn uh, soap opera? Well, you, you know, the Vikings, like, they have... They, the Vikings didn't actually have bull's horns, but opera depicted Vikings <laughs> as having bull's horns. And so bull's horns are, like, an important thing in opera. You know, like the big fat lady Are, singing like, with the bull's like, horns. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And the breast breastplates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think that so are all operas stories about Vikings? No. <sighs> no, that, no, no, no. Or is no, that no, just no. like cultural <laughs> appropriation? <laughs> yeah. It's, I think yeah, the latter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but uh, you know, if, uh, yeah. A fifth element? Has an actual opera in it. God, I've still never seen that movie. Ted, you really ought to see it. I it's know. Extraordinary. I bought it at mm-hmm. a French should... video store. Oh, cool! You should watch that. You should watch that tonight, Ted. I would go for like a real good, just like popcorn action film tonight. Well, we can the fifth we can discuss isn't... it off camera. <laughs> yeah, we can we can we can talk this talk this through off air. Um... No. All right. <laughs> we're gonna air. Is there we're more gonna air this laundry. 
Um, is there is there more that needs to be said before we we get down to the brass tacks here, fellas? I one thing I looked up a few more modern definitions, and a lot of them mentioned like warfare as a key component. Yeah, which I don't know. I don't think that's necessary, yeah. but yeah, high emotion warfare and kind of like this higher level of fantasy tied to the sci-fi as well. So yeah, we're not talking it, like Ad Astra. We're talking something that's a bit more fantastic. Yeah, we're not talking and, about like hard-nosed speculative fiction about yeah, the human no, yeah, we're not, we're not talking about like like incredibly probing psychological journeys to the soul <laughs> of man. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I'm know gonna, if I've seen one of those recently. I'm gonna nitpick. Yeah, it's been about two Luke years. And your your use of the word fantastic. <laughs> Ad Astra is fantastic. It is not fantastical, though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I misspoke. I, I think what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. I There's also the whole like. I mean, this is not. This is not really part of the science. Um, the space opera conversation, but there's also the like distinction between fantasy and sci-fi and how it's kind of like blurry and how you might argue that like Jedi are kind of fantasy. They're just kind of like space wizards. Right. Whereas like, yeah, there are other, there are other science fiction where it's like, there's actually like some sort of, uh, you know, speculative science involved in the, in the the capabilities and the technologies of the people who are part of it, you know. Well, I, yeah, I but, agree with that. Go ahead. Well, Tim. then you collapse like like oh like like is magic just science or you know, and that's always interesting, you know. Yeah, it's an interesting True. conversation. Yeah. It certainly anyway, wasn't just talk, just conversation. <laughs> it might not be the conversation for this podcast. <laughs> Dune, baby. The thing about Dune, right, is you just have to take psychedelics and meditate regularly, and you're going to be all powerful. Hmm? I don't really... That wasn't exactly the takeaway I had from Dune. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about Dune right now. I don't, under- you will, I don't understand. I, I'm... I'm mad at you. Yeah, it's, a, it's a live fucking. It's a live fucking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, my landmine right now. It is a little bit of a live landmine that's sitting in the corner, and I'm not sure that I want to prod it right now yeah. because this could really, this could really, this could really escalate quite quickly if we went down that a li- road. A live thumper, I, you might say. A live thumper. Yeah, I I would say that. Would you, Will? I would say it's a live thumper. No, we can agree on that. It's a live thumper. Okay. Will's the thumper, Jacob's the sandworm. (laughs) I love that for both of us. I'm keen. Ted is riding the sandworm. (laughs) I serve only shy Uh, Shall we get into it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Ted, I would like to um, ask you to do something Uh for us. Is it related Would to you, audio or something? No, 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 no. It's uh, related to you deciding who pitches oh, and when. Yeah, okay. Um, I would like Will to go first. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Fuck, I, I forgot d- about this part. I don't know. Maybe he should go last because it's so funny. Well, I don't know. But it's, but it's fun to ambush him. 
<laughs> I'm thoroughly ambushed, Will, and I can't Will I can't piggyback feet. I can't piggyback off anyone if I go first. Um, he has to come up with his own original idea. If yeah, he goes first. I can't talk about the excellent Steve Zahn character that Luke's going to introduce in his pitch. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, so space opera. Yes. Um, see, there's this giant spaceship and it is, uh, we got kind of like a Wally situation where like a whole civilization of people are, um, are kind of just like in, uh, suspended, not suspended animation they're they're in they're in transit but like with no clear destination because all of the home worlds have been destroyed oh, and no. the spaceship is um in the shape of a giant key i think that's kind of cool right but like that's it's so that's old really cool that it's so old that like like there's like religion on this sp- spaceship that says that like the spaceship is actually a key to something like uh like uh some sort of uh, uh salvation you know but uh is it is it also so old that the key is like an old timey key yeah it looks like an old timey key kind of this is gonna be this is something that i i I, this is another thing that i've maybe maybe mentioned on the pod but i i i'm gonna definitely mention it now since you brought this up Uh, i'm like a big fan of uh the star wars prequels and one of the reasons why is because i love the like sort of like uh like mid-century modern aesthetic of it like everything's very like sleek and like and sort of like like it looks like it belongs like it's like a a 1940s hot rod like all of the all of the droids and and spaceships and stuff and i think that there's going to be kind of a similar thing like i mean battlestar kind of does this a little bit too like it's like kind of old pre-digital kind of aesthetic you know um and and the key is going to be kind of similar to that. It's going to be like it's going to be a little steampunk, maybe. So like a little bit old, yeah. like earlier, like turn turn of the turn of the nineteenth century into the twentieth century kind of aesthetic, you know. So is um, there any digital equipment on the ship, or is it all like analog? It's all yeah. I, I like that. It's all analog, <laughs> and 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 maybe everything is sort of kerosene powered, um, except that they have ooh. <laughs> except space kerosene is. I mean, it's kind of like the spice in this world. Like it's it's the the thing. Everyone needs space kerosene to like survive, so they're like able to like go by different planets and sort of try to find space kerosene to keep going, but. And that's like sort of the currency of the of the civilization. Space okay, so kerosene. we got space currency or space kerosene. We got this key. We've got this weird fanatical religion where like half of the civilization is like, yeah, this spaceship is literally a key that's gonna like open a planet to our salvation. And uh and half of half of the civilization is like that's just bullshit superstition, you know? Um and so it's like there's there's like a lot of sort of uh they have like elections and politics and stuff on the spaceship and there's like a lot of polarization between the sort of like fanatical people and the the more not like you know just sort of like we need to survive and eventually find a sustainable home world people you know 
Is this good? This is good, right? This is great. This is very okay. good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my my one my one quibble so far is that you have not introduced a single character. Okay. Yeah. So um, that doesn't Zendaya. matter. That doesn't matter at all, Will. That, that, that's so that's Zendaya. what I like about it. Zendaya is the daughter of a powerful politician um on the on the sort of fanatical side of of politics but she doesn't really quite buy it like she's she's more um on the on the sort of like we need to like we're running out of space kerosene and we need to find a sustainable home world quick and like we're not going to find this like secret key uh or keyhole in in the cosmos right so um she uh she's kind of in this like very like stifling, you know, uh, helicopter theater sort of, of politics. Um, and she breaks out one day and, uh, and escapes to the general population of the ship. And she finds like that there are all of these sort of slums in the ship. Um, because as it turns out, there's also like a huge amount of inequality in this ship shocker i know and so she's like in the sort of the 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 depths of the ship and and try and finding these people who are like sort of like they're all all they're trying to do is like find space kerosene so that they can move up in the sort of socioeconomic ladder um but it's like a very cutthroat world um and the way they get these space kerosene is they they have these like little sort of uh uh, escape pods that they go out and like try to find it on extremely dangerous planets um, that are not h- habitable but may contain space kerosene. Um, so she finds like a, a, a sort of a, a scrappy uh, group of ragtag people, you know, um, you know, maybe maybe played by like uh, you know uh, Oscar Isaac and Jason Momoa, you know. Um, <laughs> And they, you know, they go out and... What uh, did I expect? <laughs> and they go out and, and uh, they're, they're trying to... They're, there's actually like sort of a separatist group that's like trying to um, use their space kerosene as a sort of a political capital to get... Um, to sort of overthrow the ruling class. Um, and she kind of falls in with that crowd. Um but uh, they they go on this big adventure to uh, to find. There's evidently like this. Um, there's this one like kind of prescient um, member of the crew who's played by um, by Timothy Chalamet, and he kind of he uh, he like just like can sense like weird like he's got this weird ESP or whatever that can sense where there's like huge amounts of space kerosene. So they um right, they so I'm gonna go to the bathroom. <laughs> He gets like a <laughs> by ten. So he gets like a, a giant. He uh, he he gets this premonition of this this kind of extremely. Uh, there's like a sort of an asteroid belt that's like very inhospitable, um, and but he knows that there's like this massive cache of space kerosene on there because he's got this weird sort of like. He's almost like. Uh, 
initiated into some sort of like weird sort of cult that like has ESP. And so like he's able to do it. And so, so they go, they go out into this, this, uh, this asteroid field and, they hide inside of an asteroid and they think that they found some space kerosene, but it turns out there's like a giant worm inside of this asteroid. And so they have to like, um, before it closes its mouth, they have to escape. But luckily Oscar Isaac is an extremely good pilot. So he's able, he's got like the fastest escape pod in the galaxy. He always blames it. How do you think of this stuff, Willie? I don't know, (laughs) man. I don't know. It's just, just going off the dome. Right. Um, does, it so come to you, does it come to you in dreams sometimes? It comes well? to me in dreams sometimes, yeah. <laughs> so he, he he's able to, like, outmaneuver the teeth. But, like, there's also, like, this sort of, like, crazy microbiome inside of this giant monster of, like, weird, like, you know, like, sort of symbiotic creatures that are living inside there that they have to, like, blast off with their space blasters. Um, I'd like you to describe some of these weird creatures to um, me, Will, just some of them to help me visualize like, what I'm seeing. Some of them kind of look like bats. They're like, but they're like, they're they're like, they initially look kind of cute. Like they they come across a like, a like a little nursery of them, and they all look extremely cute. But then the parents show up, and they're like vicious as fuck, and they have to run away. Um, they've got like these big fangly teeth, and they've got like fifteen eyes. Um, but but like oh, yikes! But like very like they're like calibrated. They're like very adapt at like adept at seeing in, in in the dark. But luckily, um, Jason Momoa is like kind of a master tinkerer and has found out ways of like he's got all the he's got all these gal- gadgets to like see in the dark and stuff and 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 kind of uh, navigate these inhospitable environments. He's like the uh, he's the gadgeteer. He's like the the Q kind of of the group, you know. Um, but steampunk. Yeah, but steampunk. Oh yeah, I forgot. This thing is steampunk as fuck. Yeah, the blasters are kind of. They look like um, they look like those those old timey pistols, you know. But they like as the hammer comes like, down, like, it, like a blunderbuss. This like, yeah, this, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a blunderbuss, but well, it like ignites this this space kerosene, like this very small amount of sca- right, right, space right, right, kerosene. Right, right. That's like, sorry, go ahead, Jacob. No, I'm 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 sorry. You you keep going. There's like some like highly volatile thing that that kind of space kerosene is involved, but like they only need a tiny tiny amount of it for for their weapons because there's also like it it's just like so reactive to other things that it they can they can, you know, they can kill kill things with it. So, but like super like refined space kerosene, like the purest kind that they're finding in this cache, like that's that's like necessary to to power the ship and to get them the, the separatists are also like working on their own sort of like long distance ship that they're going to like go to find um hospitable planets you know um but they have to kind of do it in secret because there's this like the the sort of ruling class is very um uh you know it's it's just all about either capitalism or this fanatical religion you know that's that's like all they care about so, um, anyway, I don't know. They find this, they find this giant cache of space kerosene. Zendaya, like, uh, is able to like, um, sort of, she, she's like, finds out that she's got like extremely good, like ability. She's able to like survive in areas that other people shouldn't be able to survive in because she's like 
kind of special for some reason, but they haven't quite figured that out. That's for the next movie. Um, and they go back and they've 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 got they 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 get the car- space kerosene to the separatists, but they pay the ultimate price, which is um, Jason Momoa dies um, trying to trying to get them to to safety, um, and also she her father like realizes that she's in on this plan and um is like like makes her like di- completely disowns her and like makes her the most like wanted person on this ship and so she ne- she's now kind of driven into exile and that's that's where we end the first chapter of this space opera wow so you don't find out what happened with the key <laughs> we don't find out what happens with the key yet no do we find out whether the the separatists successfully somehow built this spaceship? Um, the, the 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 spaceship has work is is like working now. Um, but they still need to find like a a viable place to go. Um, and like it would just be like a suicide mission for them to leave right now. So they're still kind of like operating in the dark, waiting for their time to to leave. And also, Timothy kind of, like, has these visions which, like, maybe oh. maybe the space, the, the space huh. port uh, key is, like, actually real. Like, the space keyhole is actually real. But, like, it's, like, unclear. Like, he, he, he knows that he's, like, sort of aligned with people who don't believe that it's real. But, like, he's also getting these visions that maybe it is real. But he also, like, doesn't know if it's a good thing that this, that, that the that the key is going toward the keyhole because maybe it actually isn't salvation. It's like, it's going to like cause a horrible apocalypse type thing. Um, so he's got can all you, these like confusing can you break down that. Can you break down that, that space apocalypse vision for me? Um, so he's like, he sees, basically he sees them approach this. He sees the key like approaching this big, like almost sort of nebula that kind of looks like a lock and it goes through it and and then you just see like all this fire and screaming and like these this weird like transformation where like all of these there's this this kind of like weird cult that's happening aboard the spaceship and they're all like turning into these weird like alien creatures that have like tentacles and stuff and he's like ah! and then he wakes up but like it's very it's so trippy that like it's unclear what's happening you know I like that Yeah I like that a lot That was all Really well thought out and original, and that's Thank about you. all I have to say. I agree. Um, I uh, I don't know if we said this already, but Ted is the the wielder of the ultimate ship or not ship power. So, what do you say, Ted? Uh, absolutely, go away, get out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> But Ted, we need to know what happens, and if the first movie doesn't get made, we don't unlock the story <laughs> oh, no. of the second part. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Could you imagine someone having the balls to make a movie like this when they didn't know that the sequel was locked in yet? <laughs> yeah, seriously, dude. But that's Will for you. Is that? Yeah. Well, will you shouldn't you. have done something so stupid, Will. But I. <laughs> I mean, I don't wow. know what I expected. Well, no, this is good. This is good. This, no, this means that we're dealing with it. You guys need some tough. You guys need some. You guys need some tough love. You guys ship too easily. We do ship <laughs> too easily, Ted. I respect I'm, I, it. I'm, I'm here with the hammer. 
I respect it too. Usually, and I, I set an we'll... example for you guys. This time, pure crit. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me scared because my pitch is almost it's identical a... to that. <laughs> <laughs> and you invested so much time in preparation. <laughs> Instagram post that Vin Diesel did today? No, tell us about Almost it. Almost certainly not. Okay. Um, so, it's a picture of him and The Rock from Fast Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're kind of staring angrily at each other. And you know they like don't like each other. Yeah. Um, right. And so, the post reads as follows. My little brother Dwayne, the time has come. The world awaits the finale of Fast Ten. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. There is not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes. But the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fast in the finale. That is ten. I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs can't be played by no other. I hope that you oh rise to the occasion oh, yeah. and fulfill your destiny. This is amazing, dude. We need another Charlie Puth song just for this, just for this Instagram post. <laughs> he wow, said, what a fulfill post. your destiny, like Snoke. That is, that is wild. Nothing about that didn't sound right to me. No. Oh God, that was incredible. Well, here is hoping. My God. I mean. What 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 could Dwayne possibly say to that except yes, right? I mean, he might just call him a candy ass, and, <laughs> and that's that. That's true, but man, would that ever? I feel like that would come back to bite Dwayne in the ass. He's got it's so, man. That is a a masterful move by Vin because he just it, totally yeah. trapped Dwayne. It's one thing too, it, like he says yes to every single large blockbuster. It's weird that he's like so against reprising this role. He hates Vin that much. Yeah. Yeah. He hates having to play second fiddle that much. That's true. He does have to play second fiddle, and no one plays no one plays first fiddle to the rock. Right. Mm. Is that true? Has The Rock ever been in a supporting role in a movie? Yes. Ever. The Rock has had contracts in his movies. I don't know, like, always, but, like, that he, like, can't lose a fight in them. Right. (laughs) Um, Right. And I think in Hobbs and Shaw, he and Jason Statham had a clause where, like, they had to have exactly the same number of lines. And then also they they needed to, like, to, like, connect on the same number of punches. So, like, because neither one of them would 
play second fiddle. So they're like, okay, then we're going to be exactly 1A and 1B. I need to see this movie. Which fast? Uh, Hobbs, which Hobbs and Shaw. It's not bad. I, I haven't seen it. I'm not going to. It's not bad. It's not great. But you know, it's that's. Not bad. I, I've heard it's pretty bad, Jacob. It was a good movie <laughs> to see not. in theaters. It was. It was fun. Yeah, it's a fun movie. You're a fun movie. It's a fun. Oh. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Should we get Ted, back to pitching? You have a decision to make. What are we shipping yours or not? Is that what you mean? N- no, I don't care. We're, we, yeah, we're, I think we're you past that me part now. Clear. All right, all right, good. <laughs> oh, uh, Jacob's next. All right. Um, opening shot is Haley Joel Osment walking oh, dude. across a bunch of moors. Haley Joel is in my pitch, man. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Not That's cutting amazing. them out, though. Nope, please don't. Uh, Haley Joel is walking across the moors in what appears to be Scotland. Um, he's walking along for a while, and then the camera pans up, and wouldn't you know it, there's like four moons in the sky. Um, what? So the moors upon which Haley Joel Osment are walking are the moors of Scotland too which is a planet in outer space. Um, As the first few minutes of the movie progress, we learn a little bit about Haley Joel Osment. Um, What we learn first is that Haley Joel is on the tail end of what has been a decade and a half or so uh, journey of self-discovery because... He was at one point a child prodigy and the greatest up and comer in the most important instrument in space, which, as we know, is the bagpipes. He was to be the successor to the greatest space bagpipes players of all time. Um, and that's all we know, really, is that he once was great, but then something happened. And now he has he had given up on bagpipes forever. So Haley Joel goes to the pub, the space pub, and there he sees an old friend, and it's Karen Gillan. Oh. And she says oh. she's holding a space leaflet, and on this space leaflet there's some shocking news. Um, and that shocking news is there is going to be a somewhat Eurovision style intergalactic bagpipe competition oh, hosted, oh God. hosted by Christoph Waltz, the king of space. Wow. Excellent. Um, and Karen is like, I'm not gonna attempt a Scottish accent. Take notes, but Will. they all have <laughs> they they all have Scottish accents. Uh, and she tells Haley Joel, look at this. Remember how 15, no, 20 years ago, you were to be the greatest bagpiper in space. And he says, Karen, you know this. Something very painful happened to me, and I quit playing the bagpipes forever. And I have been on this journey of self-discovery, and I have moved past. And then she's like, but wouldn't it be so cool 
Scotland too gets no respect in the universe among all the other all the other planets. And you are our, our truly our bright shining star. You could once again be our bright shining star to make our planet shine so bright in the sky, so as everybody would see it when they looked in the sky <laughs> with your pipes. Oh, and obviously, Jacob, you're a wordsmith. <laughs> Obviously, he's obviously he's convinced because also, spoiler alert, he's in love with Karen Gillan. Yeah, I mean, of course he is. Yeah, yeah. Mm, It almost goes without saying. (laughs) It almost goes without saying. So he's like, you know what? I was a boy when I quit playing the bagpipes, and now I'm a man. And what a man I am. Uh, sexual tension. Yeah, and she wasn't even born yet, right? What? (laughs) When he was a boy and he quit. When he was she was nothing. She 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 was born. (laughs) I looked it up, and they're exactly the same age. um, Surprisingly, anyway, I don't know what you were getting at, Luke, but I've rejected whatever it was. so he he goes home to his space hut and he uh, opens the closet and in the closet shoved in the back are these dusty old bagpipes and he nice. takes them out and he dusts dusts them off and he plays a few notes and wouldn't you know it even though it's been fifteen years maybe twenty no twenty years his sound his tone is rich and pure and velvety smooth just like a well-played bagpipe always is bagpipes are like Um, riding a bike they're like riding a bike as it turns out you wouldn't have thought but they are um and he thought that he was all alone but karen gillen actually secretly was waiting outside and she listens and we pan to her face and there are big hearts in her eyes because she knows now she knows now that she loves him as he loves her um so I guess we get like a training montage of him like playing more and more difficult bag, bagpipe songs for a while because the but the competition is in 2 weeks so it's a quick montage and then one day it's time and Haley Joel says goodbye to his mother and his father and says I'm going to go and I'm going to put Scotland 2 on the star map forever. And they're like, that's great. We could really use some respect because we don't get no respect. Um, and he's like, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. So he gets in his spaceship. <laughs> he gets in his spaceship and he's getting ready to go. And he's going to go go it alone. But then Karen Gillan comes running across the moor and says, wait, you can't go without me. I love you. I need to be by your side. Whilst you play for the court of the king of space. Yes. yes. And he's like, it's a dangerous journey, but I love you. And she's like, yes, also I love you. Let's go. And so they go. Uh, and so they're chugging along in their space jalopy on the way to the planet of the king of space. And there's they're macking a little bit, and then they're like concentrating on getting there. And uh, everything's going swimmingly until... Suddenly, out of nowhere, they get they get T-boned by another <gasps> space car. Shut up. And it is a, a real slick space car, and they 
are hit real hard and they go down onto a planet and this planet is icy cold it's an ice planet it is antarctica 2 the icy planet um and they go through the atmosphere their jalopy is burning up but not like totally burning up it's just like doing the thing where when you go through the atmosphere it shines and then it crashes onto the planet and everything goes dark and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. then they wake up and they're mm, are they both alive oh they gotta both I think be alive i think they're i think they're both alive i think they're both alive they're definitely both alive and they crawl out of the space jalopy and they're like man it's cold out here and Haley joel is like oh my god my bagpipes and he looks in the space trunk of the space jalopy and his bagpipes are okay or so he thinks <laughs> He's like, it looks okay on the outside, but I better play a little ditty just to make sure they're fine. <laughs> and so he starts playing. Oh the... my god, my bagpipes look okay. <laughs> um, he starts playing a little ditty, and as the warm air of his breath goes into the bag of the bagpipe, the coldness of the outside makes the bag um, crack. Oh, oh no. And he's like, that is arguably the first or second most part of most important part of my bagpipes and it's now fucked this is not good (laughs) and karen gillen is like you think that's bad news well i have some more bad news for you look up and he looks up and the space car that t-boned them is hovering above them and one of the windows opens up and it is uh, I don't know, John Leguizamo probably, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I represent the space mafia, and I heard tell that some young upstart was coming, coming to uh, to take the crown that belongs rightfully to my cousin. <clears throat> my cousin is the best bagpiper in the entire universe. So listen here, this is the lesson. <laughs> stay off our turf and uh they're like fuck um turns out a lot of people want to win this i thought maybe it would be an easy ride to to the championship but uh, i guess not and so they uh i guess they just the space mafia just like drives away because it pretty much looks like um they're done for because their car crashed on this planet and the bagpipes are like the pipe is all cracked so it's no good um so they're really sad obviously as this situation sucks but it is in this moment that Haley joel says to karen it's time that i tell you about why i quit playing the bagpipes and she's like I would like that. I love you and I want to know more about you. And we've been friends for a long time and lovers for a short little while, but this is the one thing that we have never really talked about. And I know that it weighs deeply upon your soul. And he's like, yeah. Uh, so here's what happened. <laughs> you could say that. When again. I was, <laughs> when I was young, uh, the space emperor at the time, requested that I come and play him some music at the Space Palace. 
And of course, the eager young boy that I was, I jumped at the opportunity and I went to the palace and I started playing my bagpipes, but I was so excited that I blew extra hard and I blew so much air into the bagpipes that that the bag popped and everybody laughed at me and they threw rotting fruit at me and they they said of course that would happen if you bring in a bumpkin from scotland to the most laughable planet in the in the in the galaxy (laughs) and that is why that is why i quit and karen's like that sucks that's a really bad thing that happened to you I'm sorry that that happened to you. And he says, thank you. And then he says, but also, here's something, another thing that you don't know about me. Because my bag popped, and that is the way that I lost my dream of becoming a great bagpiper, I learned how to fix things. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Because my great downfall was things breaking. I became an expert in fixing things. So not only can I fix my bagpipes now, I can also fix this space jalopy. Hell uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and what Karen's like What a great like way to that, start doing that. Yeah, he had the idea yeah, to do it. it. So um, That's great she's like, storytelling. that rules. Thank you. She's like, that rules. I am so glad to hear that because I really like didn't want to <laughs> die on this planet. And I'm super super stoked to hear that we have a way off um please let me know if there's anything i can do to help and he says the only help i need is your love um do they fuck then yeah do they do yeah, it they, then so they they do it um is it yeah is, they do is it. it is it more or less sex than the groundbreaking movie eternals which you I may have, have heard there's a little sex in it I, I heard that. I haven't seen it, um, but... Do you want me to spoil it for you? It's going to be a lot of sex. No. Okay. Well, yeah, go ahead. No, probably don't on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, let's, be, let's be nice to our fans. Yeah, yeah I, I nice mean, this is fans. definitely going to come out, what, 12 hours? Probably tomorrow. Yeah. Probably. Probably yeah, really soon. Yeah. Um, so they have a lot of sex, and... God, that's so great. Yeah, it's super great. Good for them. And they're like, wow, that was great. Uh, but now let's get down to business. Now that we've warmed up a little bit, um, we can get to fixing this car because the uh, the big the big uh, concert is it's fast approaching. And like we still have a ways to go. And our space jalopy isn't super fast. So Haley Joel fixes it up. And Karen gets to work. Uh, she's like... It's going to take a while to fix it up, and they don't have any food with them because they did a bad job of packing for this because they just really wanted to get on the move. And plus, well, actually what happened is that Haley Joel had packed food for one, and then Karen came, and she didn't bring any food, and so they had eaten all the food already. So Karen goes off hunting, and she, like, uh, there's, like, some space reindeer or something, and she kills one. And She's a good hunter. yeah, she's a good she's a good hunter. She's she's multi talented, um, but she's a real good hunter. And she like tracks down, kills it, and like roasts it up. And they have a big meal, and the car gets fixed, and then they're back on their way. Um, and a little more time passes. Um, they have sex a few more times in the car nice. while it's on cruise control. God, that's Jacob. And you're doing a great job. 
<laughs> thanks, thanks, Ted. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and they reach uh, the planet of the Space King, and they land, and they check into this, the hotel room there, um, and they're having some more sex on the bed, and then there's a knock on the door. And they're like, this could only be a good thing, probably. And so they go and answer the door, and standing at the door is Ken Watanabe. Mm. And Ken Watanabe is the big dog of the space Yakuza. And he is infamous throughout the galaxy and the known universe. And they recognize him right away. And they're like, don't tell me. Your nephew is also a bagpipe player. And Ken's like, you guessed it. Um, And so they're like, okay, so like, what are you going to do about it? And he's like, I just came here to psych you out. Just know that I'll be watching and know that something bad might happen to you if you don't withdraw from the competition. And Haley's like, okay, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm pretty scared of you, but I don't think you're going to do anything with all these people watching. And Ken's like, I guess we'll just see about that. And Haley's like, yeah, I guess we will. And then he leaves. And then they sleep, and then it's morning, and it's time for the competition. And it is a grand competition. The The palace of the king of space is lavish, um, mm. outland, outlandish even. Mm. You could even call it garish. But it is undeniably regal and very big, and there are many, many spectators there. And Haley goes down does he have a landscape architect yeah Yeah. does he have a landscape architect he does have a landscape architect um sadly we're not going to go too deeply into the landscape architect but we do know that he is Mm, that's a miss at this at this ceremony it's it's it may be a miss but i'm about to bring it back around because at the ceremony the landscape architect the most (laughs) revered craftsman in in the universe is standing at the right hand side of the king um and sharing in the sharing in the glory of this moment um as every landscape architect should um so uh, for a few people go, uh, the, the, the cousin of John Leguizamo goes, and he's, like, pretty good. And the nephew of Ken Watanabe goes, and, like, he's pretty good, too. Um, and then it's time for Haley, and he steps onto the stage, and the crowd, there is a hush in the crowd, and, like, then there's some murmuring, and we go to the audience and we like look in on somebody and he's like an old man. And he's like, this is, this is the person from space Scotland. Rumor has it that once he was the best, but then he made a complete ass of himself in front of the space emperor who is now the space King. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I hope, I sure hope he doesn't blow it again. Although it would be kind of funny. Let's just see what happens. Um, and so he steps onto the stage and the crowd is waiting and moments pass and Haley brings the uh, mouthpiece of his bagpipe to his lips and he wraps his lips around it 
and then he makes a, he makes a face and everybody's like oh what's happening and then we zoom in on the mouthpiece of the bagpipes and it is absolutely slathered <laughs> with space wasabi <laughs> which is this the hottest known substance oh in my the universe God. and haley's eyes start watering and he you can see so many things flash over his eyes his love for his his karen the humiliation that he suffered in the past the threats against his life and livelihood and then finally his mother and father back home watching on television and they're watching him and going what's going on we need our boy to bring his a game and he fucking powers through it he starts playing and at Damn, first this is it's a, a regular gum jabbar tears are streaming down his face his face is as red as a ripe tomato uh he is oozing sweat from every pore in his body but the music that comes out of his bagpipes is transcendently beautiful and when he finishes, the loudest applause that has ever been heard in the universe erupts. The Space King comes down and shakes his hand. Karen comes and gives him a big kiss. And the Space King says, this competition is over. You are truly the greatest of the great. Fade to black. Roll credits. Wow. 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 That's amazing. Thank you. I mean, it's kind of a ripoff of Whiplash, but, you know. (laughs) I accept that critique. I saw that movie once. It was very intense. (laughs) But really, the person whose opinion matters the most is our our dear guest, Theodore. Um, uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, Jacob, um, what the most successful element was, um, the, your, the, the casting of Karen Gillan. Um, uh-huh. that was a great call, which, a great call, Jacob. yeah, that's, that's really big. Um, <clears throat> um, I did that for you, Ted. Yeah. Um, what I, what I loved especially was the, um, Elegant and surprising way that you resolved their conundrum of being stuck on the planet. Um, <laughs> it, now, uh, as as always, of course, your greatest weakness is uh, your uh, the 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 saccharine sensibility imbued in so many of your pitches. But oh, um, damn. Um, but you know that's okay. Ship it. Thank you, Jacob, Ted. Jacob, you got the hardest ship. <laughs> I accept your criticism, and I appreciate your ship, nonetheless. <laughs> Sorry, Jacob. You don't need to apologize. I know this about myself. I mean, it just means a lot coming from Ted. It I, does. I, I, only like, amazing, I, I only like cynicism. Some amazing pictures that he's rejected, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. Um, uh, the, I mean, really, it was a spectacular pitch, though. The space uh, king 
or the space emperor. I mean, just like oh, it was so. I love that shit. <laughs> like that's that's what a space opera needs. Is like a guy, like a, a person who's in charge of space. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like Ironsides. Yeah, a... It's kind of like Ironsides Biggums. Yeah, I. Uh, the sheriff I was wondering of space. If, I, I'm one, I was wondering if that was going to come up. <laughs> that's still in development. Don't you worry. Nice. Um. Have you implemented any of the ideas from our writer's room uh, when we camped some 16 months ago? (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I do not remember any of the ideas that we had. It was a different time. It was a different time. It was, uh, yeah, it was a heady time. But, uh, yeah, Uh, keep keep your ears open, Pitch Hunt listeners, because there may be something eventually sometime in the next few years coming out of what ted was just talking about yeah it's a mere five pitch hunts away iron sides bigums remember the name (laughs) please recommend your friends to listen to our podcast we'd really love it it would mean a lot if they give us a shot Sometimes there's songs. All right. I think it's time for our last pitch. All right. As we cross the hour mark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to try to be tight with mine, but this will probably be my longest pitch ever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm strapped in. I love it. So we open on the Space Commission, which... Space here stands for Sovereign Planet- Planetary Alliance for Celestial Equality. Oh, damn. Wow. And outstanding. Play. The commissioner is played by a kindly Keith David. Nice. Um, and he's heading up this holographic meeting with the rest of the Space Commission board. Keith himself is a fairly humanoid, but... He's got like a reptilian body, which looks pretty dope. And everyone on the board basically is recognizable, but also has some weird quirk that kind of signals that they're alien a little bit. Um, but anyway, Keith David's the head honcho, so he's got a pretty sweet office and a cute little manservant played by Haley Joel Osmond. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and Haley Joel's always graciously topping up his <sighs> glass of future soylent. Which Hell yeah. still has all the ingredients you need, <laughs> but now it tastes like the best version of whatever you're subconsciously craving <laughs> when it hits your lips. So not a sponsor, <sighs> but if you're listening soylent, you could be. <laughs> yeah. Someone's probably listening. Probably. Yeah. They got, their, they got their fingers in a lot of pies. Now, the rest of this uh, Space Commission Council is just a who's who of character actors. So we've got Margot Martindale, Octavia Spencer, Oliver Platt. Um, Oliver Platt? And yeah, like I said, they've all got like 
<laughs> They've all got some weird little alien features to kind of tip you off that this is a, a space opera going on. I uh, got Steven Tobolowski. Like, maybe he doesn't have nice. his signature glasses because he doesn't have any eyes. And instead of his signature bald spot, he's got, like, a Hair. weird bald air sack up there. <laughs> <laughs> so you get it. Um, and Margot Martindale's characters voicing some concern about unrest in the Zeta sector that's uh, linked to this cosmic pirate kingpin named Blork McChuggins. <laughs> Love it. And Blork has been raiding commissioned peace vessels and stripping them of their defense system weaponry. And there are rumors that Blork is doing this so that he can sell them to a mystery buyer who's planning this larger revolution against the governing body of the Space Commission. Oh my god. And Keith is like, oh, Margot Martindale, don't you worry. I've got my top space crimes agent on the case. I'll patch her through for a progress update. And now we cut to our hero, Agent Toyana Cash, who's played by Zazie Beetz. Hell yeah. It's like our first shot of her is really close quarters. It's clear that she's locked up in some kind of crate. She's getting all jostled around. And she's this breed of creature called a luminary, which means she can control light. So she's not in total darkness. Like she's, she's lighting up the inside of this crate, but it's clearly pretty cramped and uncomfortable. Um, And she answers Commissioner Keith David. She's like, hey, Keith, you kind of caught me at a bad time. These Dumbo pirates took the bait, um, but I haven't started fighting them or anything yet, so I'll have to get back to you. I'll have Blork McChuggins and Shackles soon, I hope. (laughs) So later, I'll I'll connect with you in a bit. Um, So yeah, she hangs up, and now we see a view outside of the crate which is marked with, like, Space Commission phasers on the side of the crate or something. And we see this group of pirates marching a whole bunch of similar crates into the bay of their own ship. So as these pirates start to pop open the crates, Toyana's still inside hers, and she, like, taps her temple with her free hand, which activates this little infogram in front of her eyeballs, um, she's got like a cool brain computer thing that lets oh. her basically access all the regulations and laws of the universe so that she can enforce her job in different regions of space. Um, and it says to her that her current starship coordinates are such that she's just passed outside of the Zeta sector border. And therefore, astral law now dictates that lethal force is acceptable. Damn. Toyana Mm. unsheaths a laser machete. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She unsheaths a laser machete and waits for the pirates to pop open her crit. (laughs) Snippity doodah. My oh my. (laughs) She's waiting there in the, the glow of her own body. 
and she's kind of like she's got this little locket around her neck that she's rubbing for good luck because she's a little nervous. She doesn't know how many pirates are out there. Um, but then bingo, pop open the crate, and we obviously get a pretty dope fight. Toyana's slashing pirates left and right, chopping off a bunch of limbs, using her powers Dang. to turn the lights in the ship on and off to create an element of chaos and surprise and give her this edge in the fight. Uh, yeah, she basically kills everyone, <laughs> but a couple of these pirates get wise and try to make a run for it. So they're sprinting down this corridor of the ship and slowly the lights behind them start to go out and then darkness overtakes them. <gasps> One of the pirates fumbles to turn on a flashlight so he can see what's happening. And right when he gets it on, Toyana's just there a foot away with her laser machete inches from his neck and a phaser yes. gun pointed nice. at the other body, the other pirate's chest. So yes, she demands that these pirates take her to Blork McChuggins and the first pirate's like, no, I can't. Blork will kill me. So Toyana just spits in his face and she says, <laughs> no, Blork won't kill you. You're already dead. And then she cuts off his head. Yes. Yes. This chick rocks. <laughs> so obviously, yeah, the pirate she didn't behead is basically shitting himself and just spills the beans immediately. Um, <laughs> does he? Does he literally shit himself too? And does it look he, like beans? Yeah. What do you think? Should he? <laughs> Should uh, he yeah, shit yeah, literal that beans? Good. Good okay. side gag. Yeah. Yeah. So that very, happens. Very funny. And then, then we cut to. Toyana kicking in the door of Commissioner Keith David's office and dragging in a beat-up-looking Blork Chuggins. Um, Commissioner Keith is like, after taking a long sip of Soylent, um, thank you, Toyana. This is exactly what we needed. You're our, our greatest weapon and our greatest hero. Um, and he asked Haley Jewell to go prepare an interrogation cell. Then the commissioner's like, okay, Toyana, you've done your piece. You can go go home and get some rest. Um, mm. So she's dismissed, too. She catches up to Haley Joel on her way out, um, and they have this tender little exchange. He says that she's happy she's home safe, and he asks if he can see her tonight. So she says, of oh. course, she wants to cuddle and make sex to his beautiful soft body all night long. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Wordsmith. I love that for both of them. Yeah. Um, and then we, we, we're back with Commissioner Keith and Blork McChuggins now. They're having this long back and forth in the interrogation room. And their, their convo kind of blurs the lines between what's right and wrong in this universe. Um, because both of them have some good points. McChuggins is all like how can you call yourself a peaceful organization when you send trained killers to do your bidding? Mm -hmm. And Keith David's like, well, a little violence is necessary to keep the universe in balance. So it gets a little bit heated, but eventually McChuggins cuts a deal with Keith, right? Um, he agrees to be exiled on a barren, but peaceful planet in exchange for Keith dropping his treason sentence. Um, so McChuggan gives up his buyer, who's the mastermind behind this weapon-stealing revolt 
that's been going on with the pirates. The buyer's name is Botley Vertigo. And they Keith looks up Botley and apparently their parents were killed when their home planet fought back against um, integration into this planetary alliance. So Keith David decides to send the future space SWAT team to go track down Botley. This team is led by a reunion cast from Speed, which includes Jeff Daniels, Sandra Bullock, and Keanu Reeves. Oh my god, oh dude. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just throwing them in. So they're going to go to Botley's compound, um, <clears throat> track him down, and Keith's happy with this, so he, he decides to call a late-night holograph meeting to update the rest of the board on their progress. Some of the board members are already asleep because got pretty late on Keith, but the ones who are there all seem pretty pleased, and they decide to do a customary Soylent toast to recognize this small victory that they've had. Uh-oh. Keith beckons manservant Haley Joel to top up his glass, and we see like some of the other board members do the same, beckon their manservants and get their Soylent. Oh, no. They raise their mugs... They drink. Oh no! Oh no! And yeah, your your oh nos, they, they tell it all almost immediately. They begin to gag and retch, <sighs> and their mouths and throats melt from the inside out. Fuck! <laughs> that sucks. That, that sucks, rocks. dude. Soylent, I hope you're not listening anymore. Yeah, Soylent, <laughs> forget forget the last fifteen seconds. <laughs> Keith, David looks down. At his glass of future Soylent, a product which had given him so much pleasure, but tragically was ultimately used as a vessel for his death in a coordinated uh. poison attack against him and his fellow Space Commission board members. Oh, no. Uh. All of those Spine. beloved character actors dead. Well, some of them were some of them were asleep, but most okay. of them are dead. Please Before tell me Michael life, Shannon was asleep. <laughs> Before the life fully drains from Commissioner Keith David's eyes, he looks over at his manservant, Hadley Joel, the sneaky little bugger who betrayed him. And Hadley Joel is standing just a few yards away with uh, a blaster in his hand now. And there's this kind of touch of evil that shimmers behind his eyes. And he first turns his weapon toward mm. Blork McChuggins, who is kind of handcuffed in the corner of the room. And he shoots Blork in the face. Shit. Then, oh. Haley Jewel turns the blaster to his own temple and sends a molten laser beam straight through his boyish head. Jesus. Is it... Oh. His head is so big. Does it make it all the way through? It goes all the way through, but... The hole looks kind of comically small compared to the rest of his head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Things have taken a real turn here. Yeah. And we... There's silence for a few moments, but then we hear this crackle of noise from... (sighs) Coming from deceased... Now deceased Keith David's earpiece. And it's Keanu Reeves. And Mm. he's like... Commissioner Keith, we're approaching Botley's compound. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. It 
this compound. So now, now we cut to Keanu's perspective as he's leading this crew. And the compound basically just looks like a medieval castle floating in space. And Amazing. the space SWAT team uses their stealth to kill a bunch of hench people in cool ways. And then they get to a door marked Botley's room. Do not enter. And they know they're in the right place because it, it says that they are. And against the warnings of the door, they enter. And uh, inside they see Botley kind of standing, looking out, out through the window into space. And as they approach, they see that it's actually not Botley, but just a bunch of stolen commission defense explosives with an overcoat draped over them. Oh, oh my God. And Sandy Bullock, Keanu Reeves, and Jeff Daniels give each other one last look. No. They don't have time to say I love you before the bombs explode and kill them all. Uh, eh, whatever. <laughs> now Toyana <laughs> is awoken, right? We're back to our hero. She's sleeping oh. on one half of her bed, and there's a empty Haley Joel-sized imprint on the other side. Oh, God. She answers the door, and she's briefed by some bureaucrat on everything that's gone down. And she pours herself a breakfast of delicious future Soylent with shaky hands that... and <sighs> an expression of kind of shock and disbelief before she goes out to investigate the manservant murders. Uh, she finds all of the manservants killed themselves the same way Hallie Joel did. Even the ones who didn't successfully kill the board member because they were kind of protected by their sleeping quarters and locked in there at that point. So we get this detective montage. Tayana kind of flits around different space stations talking to the manservants' loved ones um, about their motives and their possibly alternative loyalties. She questions everyone, their bartenders, their prostitutes, their shrinks, and nobody has answers. By all accounts, these manservants were good men and good servants. Um, That's the two things. That's what like what the does two that mean? It means that they, they wouldn't they be seen as, as people to, to betray their the, the men and women and creatures that they were bound to serve. I guess I, yeah, I don't really know what I was confused about there. <laughs> but thanks for clarifying. Um, the other thing that Toyana finds out after, like, checking their bank accounts is that there's no sign of a payoff to them or anyone in their immediate network. It's just really kind of a dead end. So she turns to Botley and finds out that Botley is, in fact, a fake identity that was planted in the system decades ago. Um, Jesus. So Botley doesn't exist. It was just a, a trap and a oh ruse to weaken God. their defense systems. A Kaiser Soze. Yeah. Kind so, of. Needless to say, Toyana's feeling a little bit defeated, and at this point retires to the Astro Lounge for some future oxygen and CBD infusions. Nice. Um, mm, mm. As she slips into this kind of calm state, she finds herself instinctually like kind of reaching and rubbing her good luck charm locket. Um, 
And as she's doing this, it, it pops open, and there's this cute little picture of Haley Joel's big head. Um, and <laughs> tears kind of slowly trickle from Toyana's eyes as she stares down at her lover-turned-murderer-suicide-manservant. And as she's looking at this picture, she notices something through her tears and gets this this look of recognition behind her eyes. And we get an extreme close-up. There's this little, like, scar on Haley Joel's temple. So Toyana rushes over to the medical records archive and runs a commonality search on all of the manservants. And she discovers they all had the same operation, which was a neural implant, just like the one that that she has. So she knows this is a key, um, and she jumps over to the space IT department to run this theory by them, which is that the manservants were all brain hacked, um, and their Model T neural links were used to take control of their bodies and turn them into killing machines oh my gosh so the it guy's like yeah that's possible i guess (laughs) (laughs) um and toyana asks if they can trace the source of the hack and the it guy's like nah all the model t units were uh blasted when these guys shot themselves so we don't have anything to go off of but toyana's like oh that's devilish here's the thing i was around Haley Joel just before this attack happened. Is it possible that my neural link, which is the same model, could have picked up the transmission, if only vaguely? And the IT guy's like, yeah, I guess that could be possible again. Um, so he slits open her head, pulls out this little neural link thing, um, hooks it up to his, his hardware, and discovers that he does find this this faint signal from around the time of the murders that showed up on her link too and he's able to trace it back to this kind of quiet swamp planet um oh, oh. <laughs> hold, the hold on hold on go on yeah you can interject <laughs> i just heard the word swamp and had a had a connection do you want me to go on you can go on, yeah. I don't I don't want to spoil your ending, but it sure sounds like Shrek was behind all of this. Yeah. <laughs> There's no Shrek. Thank you. Even God. if there had been, I would have removed that for Ted's sake so that I could yeah. get it shipped. It, it, yeah, it would not have been shipped. Is that where your mind was going to, Will? Uh, mine was going to Dagobah that yeah, Yoda is That's what I was thing. thinking. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Really, the reason that I wanted her to go to the Swamp Planet was that so that she could just kind of battle some bog monsters. Oh, cool. Good idea. Um, That's dope. That's dope. So that happened. She touches down on this planet, um, kind of at a remote edge, and she's armed to the teeth and battles her way through a bunch of monsters before arriving at the edge of this little underground bunker. And it winds just super deep, unfathomably deep, down into the ground growing darker and darker until there's basically no light. And Toyana summons this glow from her fingertip because that's what she does, um, kind of lights her way. And she can see these 
creatures who've never seen light before kind of scuttling around and just, yeah, they're all over the place. And eventually she comes across a child, a very pale, eyeless child Mm. who is right in front of her and says, Papa, is that you back so soon? Oh my God. And this boy has a bulging bald spot that he breathes through. And it's clear that this boy is the spitting image of his father, Stephen Tobolowsky. (laughs) No Who who was a member of the Space Commission board. Yeah. So Toyana asks the boy to, to lead her to her father's study where she finds some elaborate hacking hardware mumbo jumbo and some logs that prove that Tobolowsky had remotely tapped into the system from his board chambers to orchestrate these killings. And he's kind of sent off this message to different parts of the universe that say, uh, remaining board members must meet at the Pantheon to cast votes for new commissioner. Their defenses are weak. Time for the new order is nigh. End stop. So now Toyana's like, oh shit, he's going to kill all of the remaining sleeping board members um, and just eliminate the whole governing board of this whole planetary alliance. So I should probably stop this. She uh, hightails it out of there. She doesn't send a warning ahead because she doesn't know who's in cahoots with Tobolowski. Yeah, that's um, smart. Yeah, she's got to rough it on her own. So she gets to the Pantheon, sets up a bunch of booby traps and defense systems it's kind of like a futuristic space home alone or if oh, you nice, prefer nice. a futuristic ending of skyfall <laughs> and as the rebel forces start to arrive with their stolen space commission weaponry toyana just goes on a, a straight up killing and booby trap spree nice um I love that but then we have the final battle with Tobolowski himself, who is completely unfazed by her luminary powers since he has no need for light with his lack of eyeballs and such, um, and his enhanced other senses that he's grown from years of spending deep beneath the ground. I was born in darkness. Exactly. He's Space Bane. And oh, God, he has. Boy. Yeah, he's got like the body of a young Schwarzenegger in this, too. Nice. Wow. So they, is that going to be prosthetics, or are you going to get him to get him to work out for like a year? I'd like him to this get at least fifty percent of the way there. Okay, because yeah. he's kind of kind of a doughy guy. I'm sure. Just it's kind of like his signature Soylent. look. <laughs> yeah, Soylent will get him there. He's he's getting the special kind of Soylent that has like three times as much protein in it. <laughs> so yeah, they get have a pretty the target Richfield. Pretty Sorry, scrappy fight. It's brutal to go hand to hand. Mano a mano, if you will. Mano a mano, beautifully put. They both end up bloodied and haggard, but Toyana eventually comes out on top. Yeah. She's That's thwarted great. this insur- insurgents. Um, they're able to root out the remaining board members who were in cahoots with Tobolowski, and everything seems good. Um, so she now is just able to return home to her bed with its Haley Joel shaped divot. And she curls mm. up inside of that 
empty space and has one oh. night of restful sleep before the prologue kicks in. Oh my! And God. Uh, the new commissioner, Margot Martindale, comes to her door and and says that she just got word that although the insurrection was unsuccessful in their universe, in the majority of the known verses in the multiverse, it was successful, and that those verses are banding together, harnessing the power of string theory and wormholes to create an interdimensional divide and tackle all the holdout universes. That may be, like, the most packed prologue I've ever heard in my life. There's so much introduced there. Yeah, seriously. All dynamite, obviously. Right. But a, but a lot. We do love our purely expository movies these days. <laughs> Especially purely expository prologues. That's all I've got. Oh, Beautiful. What a, what a journey. What a story. It had a little bit of everything. Yeah, it was, what that a was great. Testament to the range of Haley Joel Osment that he can play a plucky hero in one movie and be a I guess maybe I guess maybe not that despicable, but he is kind of the villain in this one, even though it wasn't really his fault. Good good job. Good work, Haley, is what Excellent I'm saying. Excellent job, Haley. Yeah, he's a dynamo. He is. Yeah, but he's a great So Ted? Uh, yes. Uh, this was the best one by a considerable margin. Um, it was what? the most. It it, it was uh, the most, uh, the coldest, the cruelest, and the most violent. Um, and um, I mean, it doesn't have Karen Gillan, which, um, well, she, you know, she can't be in everything. Um, we could recast Sassy Beats. No, Zazie Beats is good. She's really good. Yeah, agreed. Um, but perhaps there could be um, a scene every five minutes or so in which, um, and this is if the movie was being shown in 4DX, but if um, Karen Gillan could join me, um, <laughs> maybe that could be a part of it. <laughs> I think we could work that out. Holograms exist in this universe, so no, that's, she could just kind of pop out of that's, the screen. That's that, that. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> you want the real deal? Yeah. The real candy. I mean, she exists. Harder to doesn't pull she? Off. Like, we'll just get her there. I don't. I mean, I've never seen her in real life, so it's I can't like confirm. it's like some. It's like if I like. Well, all right. I should probably stop here. <laughs> I think that's maybe a good, good call. <laughs> Will, you're now in total darkness over there. Yeah. Yeah. He has I, been for a little while. It's getting real dark over here. It's very ominous. I'm kind of into it, but I also kind of would like to see Will. Yeah. I was just I need to go over find a find some sort of light. That would be the remedy. <laughs> Can I stretch? <laughs> yeah. There he is. I did it. I stretched. There's our will. Nice will. All right, folks. This one is run run a little is this long. Our, our longest one ever, probably. No, I no, it's up there. It's it's in Fifty Shades territory. 
Yeah. If you have to cut to anything, too, I right. would say my horniness, uh, which should be the first <laughs> to go. That's we the only thing we're going to leave it. I, I, I didn't hear any horniness, just, uh, uh, you know, respect for good acting. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll say that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I appreciate a, 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 an episode that you can really sink your teeth into. So I hope our yeah. listeners are the same way. Yeah. And speaking of sinking teeth, I, I have some dinner that I have to eat here in a second. So should we tell, should we tell Pitch Hunt Nation where they can find us? Let's do that. Yeah. Um, well, for, I mean, for, for one thing, for the first time of any Pitch Hunt episode, you can see catch all four of us on Letterboxd. Yeah. If you want more oh, film yeah. related more film related takes from us. Uh, I am yeah. I think at Janderson Studio on Letterbox. Letterboxed. I'm at Armand the White. <laughs> um I'm at Ted Meyer uh or something. <laughs> I'm I'm looking. I think I might be Ramsey Luke. <laughs> Uh, oh, DJ case, ball game. No. Wait. <laughs> I don't know what I am. Yeah, I'm Ramsey just, Luke. Just search Ramsey Luke, and you'll probably find Luke. You'll find. Uh, you'll you can also. Find you can if you, get in if touch you find with us. one of us, you can find us all. Yeah, I like everybody's <laughs> reviews. Same. I make ex- I make exceptions for bad Dune takes. <laughs> Ted didn't like my Dune review, even though I gave it the same number of stars as him. <laughs> oh, uh, well, there were some. <laughs> we don't need to. We don't need to get into this right now. This is again. This is a, <laughs> the desert power. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us you can email us info at pitchhunt.org or any of our names other than ted at pitchhunt.org <laughs> though we really should get him yeah, an email. Yeah, we can email. Just, just get ted an email I can yeah. probably figure out how to do that Yeah, we can, we can definitely do it, that it's okay you can find actually us get on, email you can find us on social media at pitch underscore hunt Am I missing anything? I don't think so. I think that's it. Yeah, stay yeah. pitchy out there, folks. Please do. All of you. We do love you. Know that. We love you. And stay pitchy. Seconded. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.